Hello, Doug. Hello, Karen. How's it going? It is going. Yeah, like you? that, guys. We mean we are already exhausted. So this should be fun. I'm good. I'm fine. Life is very whatever. Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. I've just been working so much that I'm like, what life? I know. And uh, I guess we're just supposed to be thankful we have that. Right? But sometimes uh-uh. it's not enough. <laughs> I sometimes. know. I know. Well, I'm Like st- the Little Mermaid, I want more. I want more. Well, I would like more money. I want more of that. I need more money. I'm like because that will help with the living thing. Yes, yes. I am not. I am not back yet to pre-pandemic income, which is um. Which I don't know about you, but for me, was not exactly enough. But here we are. Yeah, and so it's a little nail bitey at the moment. So I'm just picking up more and more work as I can just to get back there. But I'm fucking tired, man. Yeah, we're tired and we're poor. We're tired and we're poor. If only we could negotiate the way that some of the cast members of Melrose Place are able to negotiate for uh, their promotions on this episode. We'd be set. I know, right? Which we will fill you guys in on. But here we are, episode season seven, episode 16, I believe, Lethal Wedding 4. Wah, wah. Which I already have a question about. Okay, what's your question? So, okay, the movie Lethal Weapon 4 had come out earlier that year, which is what the title comes from, but we're not specifically talking about a fourth wedding for anyone, unless I'm wrong. Okay, uh, would it be Michael's fourth marriage? Uh, hard to say, because I think he's been married like six times now, I don't know. So it was Jane said Kimberly Jane. Well, but didn't he and Kimberly get married twice? And then there's Megan. Oh, yeah. Then there's Megan. Okay, so then if you don't count... No, you can't... St- because well, you if can't you don't count, count Jane twice... Because then Jane... You cannot count the right. others twice, right. right? Like, you can't do that. Right. So, well, I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of it, but so be it. If we're talking about Peter... Peter was married to Beth, who we have forgotten all about. Right. Peter was married to Amanda. Yeah. Peter did not marry Taylor, but they technically had a wedding because that's when he humiliated her and stormed out. And then he has a new wedding coming up as of this episode. Okay, so he would be four. So I guess that math makes four. Right. And you know what? It wouldn't be Michael because that wedding was last week. Right. So it has to be Peter, and, and, and Peter's numbers match. So I guess there we go. So that's how okay. we get our title there. I didn't even think about that. Look at you. you I know. Really I'm really into the minutia. It's That's what I'm good for. <laughs> we were, Karen and I were just talking before this about how she has, like, what she says, all this useful, useless knowledge in her head, and I think it's actually quite useful. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just have knowledge in my head. There is no use for it. So yeah, I can I explicate a Melrose <laughs> episode title like no one. See, I don't think our listeners, our three listeners, know my new gig, <laughs> right? Um, so I'm uh, I'm a new I'm I'm a new news writer for Tasting Table. Um, so and basically that means I'm doing uh, a lot of SEO content writing for the site. 
Um, so it's a lot of sort of like gathering information from other sources and writing about their reporting. <laughs> so it's zero original reporting um, because it's all about link backs and backlinks or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing like all of these food stories and that honestly could be answered in one question, uh, like like one like a one sentence answer, right? <laughs> but I have to do like five hundred words, so I end up really like doing this like deep dive into like really weird things, weird cooking things, and it's really funny. And I end up like having all this useless knowledge. Well, it's something. It's it is something. something. It's it something. something. It counts. It adds it up and it counts. counts. That's it how I. Count. That's how I feel. One of my first stories that I did, I actually really enjoyed. It was about the hot dog chain Lums. Do you remember Lums? You were probably too young for Lums. I was going to say, no, I don't think I know it. It was a thing. And I, I was really little. There, there was one here and I was really little when we went to it. And I remember every time we would go into Lums, it was a very big deal. Because it was sort of like, I considered it the fancy restaurant, even though it really wasn't. Um, but they had waitresses and it was kind of like a diner. And back when I was a kid, I loved hot dogs. I don't eat them anymore, but back then I loved them. So Lums was like an extra special place. And I remember being very, very sad when they closed. Anyway, Lums has a fascinating history started by a guy whose name escapes me in Miami beach back in like the late fifties. And by 1972, he had something like 400 uh, franchises across the United States. It was like this huge, like boom. And, um, but he sold out to the Kentucky fried chicken guy, not the Colonel, but the, the actual guy that owned it, the owner, the owner, um, so that he could buy Caesar's palace in Vegas for $6 million and created and kind of created modern day Vegas in like the sense that he started like doing all the sporting events and he worked with Don King to like promote the greatest, the what was it? The greatest fight ever or whatever it was called. Like the big boxing matches between like Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali and George Frazier and stuff like that. Um, for, and had Frank Sinatra under contract. Like it was like, he went on to like be like Mr. Las Vegas and Lums just was like, wah, wah, wah. So anyway. It was fascinating. Yeah, that but that to me is like good intel. That's not a waste. I don't know. I mean, I mean no, I'm like the only person that knows what Lums is. So I don't know. Well, all you guys start looking it up. Start looking it and up. And look it's up look, go to go to tasting table and say Karen sent you. Yeah, exactly. And you know, look, I'm I'm um I'm a fan of tasting table. I've gotten lovely lovely recipes from them over the years so i'm kind of excited i'm definitely excited to be writing for them but it is like really funny how much shit i get in my brain anyway <laughs> i mean it's got to be so much more than anyone that we're talking about on this episode oh um where do we pick up right where we left off where michael and megan have just crashed through amanda's ceiling that so it's the aftermath fast, i'll say that of right the wedding. yeah instantaneously <laughs> um Everyone's like putting their own pieces together and Michael is denying that anything happened and Ryan is getting all pissed off and uh, Amanda is, of course, wearing her landlord hat and she goes, you're not allowed to be on the roof. How dare you? Um, So, of course, Jane's still holding her ice cream is shocked and 
says she won't consider taking Michael back. And then Ryan gets in there and insults uh, Megan and says, you know what they say, once a hooker. So, of course, Michael goes after Ryan. I thought Um, that was such a low blow. It is a low blow. And it's, I mean, like, we've talked about how Ryan is like a douchey bro, but that's like a really low blow that uh, is kind of like, you only say that it has to be earned. Yeah. Like you say, like if he was actually dating Megan and found her cheating, maybe then the context is a little different. That's really a Michael line from, yeah. I don't know, season two. Um, but yeah, uh, eventually, like they they finally disperse from Amanda's. Jane is still there. Um, Michael walks Megan back to her apartment and even tries to make out with her some more when they get inside and Megan, who is now completely sober, says she wants him out of there. By the way, physically, they're fine. Their fall was broken by the bed, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they're fine. Um, and as Michael leaves Megan's, she closes the door on him and then Ryan punches him and calls him a waste. He actually calls him medical waste, which is, I guess, their cute version of him just being called trash. Um, <laughs> and so then Michael was like, yeah, well, what's really pissing you off is that you blew it with Megan. Uh, and then that fight is interrupted by Jane, who comes out of the apartment with her wedding dress and she lights it on fire on the grill as uh, Ryan and Megan watch it burn. Um, and uh, Amanda and Kyle also watch it burn, and she goes, this place is out of control. Keep in mind, about three and a half years ago, this place also saw the whole thing bombed to smithereens. But yeah, let's now focus on the wedding dress. Meanwhile, <laughs> all of this disturbance, and I'm like, what happened to Peter and Eve? Um, we actually get a response after the cold open, because Eve is doing this whole sing dancing thing as she's making breakfast in peter's kitchen um and then of course it catches fire kind of big time um and sets off the alarm so then peter i guess was coming out of the shower um and it was like, a what bigger happened? fire it was a bigger fire than jane's wedding dress it was and brief as it was, it was. On it. yeah she, a lot yeah and, i mean like and a it, lot and i was waiting for it to go poof and it was just kind of like I know, I thought it was going to really backfire, but it didn't. Yeah, no, it was just kind of like barely a flame. But yeah, no, yeah. Um, but yeah, the breakfast on fire was a bigger fire than the accelerated. Yeah, so Amanda comes down again, mostly wearing the landlord hat. Um, and and then she's like, by the way, how could you sleep through last night? Um, and so that's how they learn about the whole uh, wedding fiasco or post-wedding post-aborted wedding? I don't know. The fall through the roof. And she also says, if there's any damage in here, you guys are responsible. Um, Also, I was like, what is Peter's bathrobe? Because I thought it was dinosaurs on it at first. It's bears. So I don't know. Maybe he got it. I didn't even notice that he had bears on his bathrobe. There was something that just didn't look classy. So I was like drawn to it. Because I figured he would have worn something slightly more designery. Oh, but then we find out where Peter really came from. So do bears really surprise you? No, and you took the segue out of my mouth. Oh! Um, but you can keep going if you want. Yeah, Peter gets a phone call. Peter gets a phone call. Um, And we learn that Peter indeed has a father or had a father because this said father has died and died in Texas, which means Peter's from Texas. Which means we're going to hear a lot of harmonica in his next few scenes, too. Now, um, are we being retconned here? Um, 
I, I think partially because okay. I don't think we ever really got much backstory on Peter. I think they just sort of saw an opening in the writer's room and took it by making this his backstory, but it doesn't really add up. Yeah, again, the backstory doesn't match, even though but it's I don't not think false. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's contradicting something yeah. we had already seen. Certainly, Peter, of all the characters, is the one whose family was the most unknown to us, aside from his first marriage, which was also a uh, retcon. Um <laughs> But but it also means we don't really get to meet like anyone from his family, any guest stars coming into playing his dad because dad's dead. Dad is dead. And so basically Peter has kind of no real interest. Like it's just very weird because he's like, oh, well, I guess I have to go to Texas and deal with his affairs because I'm the only one left. And yeah, he's very cold about it. Yeah, he's very cold. And Eve's like, oh, I'm so sorry, your dad. Like she's a little bit more. Yeah, and Eve is and very normal. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of like shrug. Yeah, you know, but so. as we'll get to in a little bit, this whole thread is completely unnecessary. And kind of hilarious. But anyway, moving on. Kind of unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, unintentionally yes. hilarious, yes. Um, Which I think... Okay, um, I'm just going to say it now. I wondered if Jack Wagner had the writer's room write some of this stuff in. Oh, yes. I already have decided he did. So yeah. Oh, so. oh, oh. So we're, we're okay. So we're thinking the same thing. Okay, anyway. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. And so this episode, more than many, has a lot of really short scenes, which I'm surprised at because those are always harder to budget and schedule. But... But here we are. Um, so we jump around. Kyle is in Ryan's apartment now. The end of last week, that's when Megan and Michael busted into Ryan's when he wasn't there so they could climb up to the roof. So so now they're inspecting the damage. And in the meantime, Kyle is talking to Ryan about Lexi um, and, and basically being like, Ryan, you're an idiot. Don't get involved with her. Uh, even though Kyle knew last week that that was Lexi, but whatever. Um, and then and, and Kyle plays the big brother role like to the fullest because he gets actually mad at Ryan and says that he can't make any decisions on his own. And he goes, you're not going to be able to piss without company, which I actually thought was too crass for this show. If you'll, if you'll grant me that. I will grant you that. There, there were a few things that seemed sort of oddly out of place. Yeah. Um, yeah we and that was we have lots of, innuendo on this show and we'll call people a slut maybe but we won't use the word piss that just seems beneath melrose place yes um okay so other fallout from kyle and or from ryan and lexi is that megan having caught them in the bathroom has tendered her resignation from sterling conway enterprises and lexi who doesn't really get why megan would be mad at her yeah. <laughs> is like she uses the old, well, you got, you didn't want him, so I yeah. took him. <laughs> yeah, she was like, you weren't with him, so therefore open season. And she goes, but he means nothing to me. To which Megan responds, oh yeah, sex in the bathroom isn't serious. And then she walks out. To which I would counter, I actually think sex in a public bathroom is not serious. <laughs> Anybody who spent any time at Splash at the club Splash will know that sex in a public bathroom. <laughs> God, or any Chelsea club. Yeah. I know. <laughs> 
so no, it is not serious, but um, apparently in Megan's world it is, and that's fine. Yeah, so well, Megan's going to try and create a new world for herself, and we'll see how long that lasts. And I mean, as far as like the friend thing goes, right? Like that, like oh my god, I just spaced what it's usually called, like the friend, not the Sister, friend like, zone. Like, well, it's bro like, code. So, like, oh, oh, friend zone between. But it's not the friend zone. It's like, but it's like, it's like, it's like bro code. But it's like the, the sister of, version of bro code. Yeah, yeah, the sister version of bro code, and I think there might be a word for that. But I, I think there remember. probably is. Yeah you kind of like that's kind of not cool like you kind of ask first like you're like oh are you okay if i go out dream like that that would be the conversation yeah it's like there were like, there are like three million other men well maybe like half of them are straight so like a million and a half other men in la for lexi to gobble up and she went after the one that megan has hung up on yeah not cool. but 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 although in lexi's defense which i hate to do in lexi's defense you wouldn't know that Megan it was hung up on him unless you were following the sort of lingering ca- camera angles, right? Well, so, like, at we the were... very least, Lexi has known that Megan had some sort of interest in Ryan and that they'd been going out to dinners and such together. Right. She had brought it up. Right. But, so, but like, what, what Lexi really should have done was say, hey – since you're not dating Ryan, can I give it a go? I kind of like him. But that's not what her, what she's about. That's not her thing. No, I mean, would anyone really have that conversation on this show? That kind of violates all the rules. It does. It does. It does. Although I'm trying to sort of like imagine a kinder, gentler Melrose place. A, a, a zen Melrose yes, place. Yes, a zen Melrose place. Um, but that's not happening. Anyway. I think we also see Michael talking talking to Dr. Visconti. Um, <laughs> so Michael's in therapy now. So Michael is now <laughs> talking about his issues with Jane and then what led to the great roof collapse of the night before. And then I think Lexi shows up at Amanda Woodward, um, where Amanda says she's holding Lexi personally responsible for all of the damage incurred in the apartment because of her personal hijinks. Um, okay, what, what, why was Lexi at Amanda's office? Because she was going to talk to Ryan. Oh, okay. Because that's I, when okay. Ryan breaks up with her. Because Lexi thinks she and Ryan are still a thing, and then Ryan is like, our sick relationship is over. Um, and then Amanda is like, yeah, and to make things even worse, we don't validate here. Um, and then... Lexi like storms off. And then there's this whole thing where Amanda asks Ryan why she shouldn't fire him. And he's like, well, I have an answer because I brought in six clients and the only person you brought in is Alex Bastion. And now he's gone. Um, And then he's able to like finagle uh, that she can't fire him and he's going to stay. And then Jane comes in and then Amanda is about to fire her because they've (laughs) lost Alex Bastion. Um, And then Ryan comes back into Amanda's office and says, and by the way, another condition is that Jane stays too. Jane stays. Which is actually really nice. And there's just a moment where afterward, where Jane is like, thanks, you didn't have to do that. And I'm not even sure I deserve it. And Ryan is like, well, when you've already lost your whole world, you don't need to lose your job too, which is, you know, great sentiment, clunky writing, but, but shows that, like, if this is our Ryan, he's a good guy. Right, but also, I... still the guy who said that out of character line about Megan being a hooker. But he's going to, he he's going to dial that back later in the episode. Right, but then he also does a douchey thing 
later in the episode too. Yes. Yeah, and he does. so I'm still kind of like trying to figure out: are, are will the writers redeem him? Um, I I don't know if the writers will redeem him, but I think as long as Megan is ever okay with him, then I guess we're considering him redeemed. Okay. So I think he's going to contradict himself and sometimes be. I guess he's he's not the same because the magic isn't there, but he's our Jake. Who could do a lot of oh, dumb bro he's things? So and not th- Jake, though. Well, I said the magic wasn't there. Yeah, because I mean, Jake did do some dumb broy things, but ultimately, like Jake was kind of the perfect romantic alpha. In yeah. a lot of ways, like, well, we like don't in have terms that of now. like, if you have like that romance novel alpha, like yeah. that was Jake, and so it was never sort of like that perfect romance no- novel alpha doesn't have sex with other women, right? Like that's like that's a big no in the romance. Well, yeah, world, but Jake right? did that a lot too. But yeah, um, but it was never while there was still that person st- while he still had feelings for somebody. Else. Like it was, it's different. It wasn't like you would never see him doing a thing like that with Lexi just to almost get back at Megan. Like you just wouldn't see that from Jake. No, but I almost feel like the closest thing we have to the, the, and I don't think they're succeeding, but I think the closest thing we have to a storybook romance is the slow Megan Ryan thing. Yeah, I know. It's just what we really have is none of that. I know, but it's just, not very good like i know right, that that's right. what we what they're giving us but it's but not what they're giving us yeah, isn't what enough giving us yeah isn't that's enough. absolutely yeah. that's yeah. totally right yeah yeah <sighs> anyway okay so now we get the harmonica which means we're in texas <laughs> so peter slash jack wagner is going to visit uh his dad's dead dad's, dead dad's home and this is where I really started to think, okay, this is just Jack Wagner told them what to write. Because yes. we're, because we're, he, he lived in a trailer at a driving range called, like a very dilapidated driving range called Golf World. And Jack Wagner, if you know anything about him, is a huge golfer. Um, so the dad apparently lived in a trailer and Eve, again, a bastion of sensitivity all episode long sees a photo of his mother who we learn left Peter when he was really, really young and then died just a couple years later. Um, and then I wrote a note, which is they're doing this just because Jack Wagner loves to golf. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was all I could think of. And, and, and I kept laughing. Like, I really don't know what happened through the scene because I was laughing so hard. And all I could think of was Jack Wagner must've done this because he loves to golf. Yeah. And it just gave him an excuse to like swing a golf club. Yeah. But not for, not for long. Cause here's the thing. And we'll recap the rest. I thought the rest, and I didn't remember this happened at all from first viewing. I thought the rest of this episode is going to be Jack and Eve in Texas, or Peter and Eve in Texas, and Peter dealing with his dad's death. Um, We deal with the dad's death for like six more seconds, and then we move right on to the next part of the plot. (laughs) Like, does this even come up at all? Like, will this show up anywhere? Like, the fact that his dad's dead, or are we done with this? I think that's it. I think that's it. And, 
I have another comment that I'll wait until we get to the next part of this storyline. But I, I think this was unnecessary to say yeah. uh, the least. Okay. Anyway. And then we leave Texas for a bit. We're back in L.A. Michael is yelling at Jane because whoever her lawyer is made smoke and she's already suing him for punitive damages, which I don't really know what the punishment is for. Like, that's in, like, a court case. You assign additional damages because you really want to make a statement. This is just a divorce between dumb people, right? Well, what was really interesting to, like, what I found really interesting to this is I'm actually, like, in edits on a book where, uh, like, spoiler alert, um, the whole thing hinges on, it's it's like, it's sort of a riff on Runaway Groom, the mm. uh, Richard Gere, Julie Roberts movie. Well, Runaway Bride. Was I the mean, name of that? Yeah, so Bride, maybe this so, is yeah, Runaway. Runaway okay. Okay. okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah. my bad, my bad. So, um, so, but in my book, um, we have like a guy that's left four women at the altar, and and one of them decides that she's going to sue. Oh, I love this concept. But I don't know, and I still don't know. Like, I looked it up, and I was Googling it, and I was, like, you know, trying to figure out if there was precedent for suing for somebody for being left at the altar. And it appears that that's not – you can't do that, or it's never been – I mean, you can sue anybody for anyone, anything, but it's never been done. And so when this came up, I thought that this was really interesting because in the divorce, you know, she is also suing for damages. And I was like, right. can you do that? I would have to look into that. I want to say, I want to say you can sue for like compensatory damages because of money and time spent and whatever. But punitive is a different thing because then you're really trying to establish like some sort of precedent that like in addition to all of, and it's often something that like the judge themselves will assign right. uh, b- because they're like this sin was so egregious that on top of everything else you get an additional punishment and have to pay even more would i the judge say that yeah yeah, like i like it's not something that the the person petitioning necessarily asked for right um lawyers listeners you have to be out there right and someone connected with the law please Because so far, this show has been seven seasons of really accurately following constitutional law. I would hate to think at this point they're deep. I know. I'd hate to see them blow it at this point. (laughs) But really, it's just for me. Has anyone ever been sued for leaving somebody at the altar? Is there precedent there? Because I said that there wasn't. I like that. And I'm going to maybe take it upon myself to look into that as well. Um, So two things. One, I think that's a really great idea. And Thank if you. there hasn't already been a movie with that concept, I think you should jump on it. And secondly, that ties into something I'm going to talk about, although just briefly, if you follow us on over to the boulevard later. Oh, I'm extra excited now. But um, just contain yourself. Um, but you know what it reminds me of in an odd way? Do you remember the movie Irreconcilable Differences Ooh, with vaguely. Drew Barrymore? Yeah, vaguely. It was it's been so long since I saw that though. But just the premise alone, which is that the young daughter of the divorcing parents sues them for the damages that they've inflicted on her, not just on each other, right. I think was a really great concept. Um 
And I don't even remember how the full movie plays out. My guess is going to be that Ryan O'Neill and Shelley Long actually got together again at the end. But that's just me. Um, but just the idea of like flipping the the divorce and legality stuff on its head a little bit is interesting. Of course, that doesn't really matter for this episode. It's just a reason for Michael to yell at Jane some more. Yes, that's all that is. Um, that was a long detour because all that really happens here is Michael again insists that Jane was cheating on him with Alex and she says a thousand different ways of being like, you're disgusting, you're sick, that's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And he says, but you can't just come out and say you didn't have sex with him. So I think you're telling a lie. He goes, it's like you say, instead of saying, I swear to God, you say, I'm swearing to God. But that's not the same thing. You can't say it because you did it. (laughs) And then I love it how Jane tells him to move out. And she and he's like, I love it here. I'm never leaving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And I was like, so much for the beach house. <laughs> so I'm guessing Peter never goes back to. I mean, Peter, uh, uh, Michael never goes back to the beach house. I'm pretty sure we have not seen the last of the beach house. Oh, okay. But I do like that they found a way to bring Michael back to Melrose. I do too. I do too. Because it's actually kind of fun having him there. It is fun. It is fun. And, like, it's dumb, and they are dumb. These storylines are. Um, We're back to season one, at least in the sense of, like, it feels like we're all staying in a college dorm. Yes. Yes, It's a little more pathetic because everyone's a bit longer in the tooth and a bit more established in the world. But the idea of of them all like living uh, in, in this one little dorm or like having this mini quad is fun. Yes. Agreed. So okay, so now we now, now we're in Texas again. Oh, we, we, it's flashback time. So now we see a young Peter and his abusive golf dad um, going off on poor, poor young Peter, who the younger version of him is in tears. Um, and then Eve like finally breaks his reverie. Um, and and Peter like turns his back on Texas. He goes, we can't change the past. You know, Eve again being supportive. Um, and he goes, that's it. We're flying back the next morning. And that's when we go to commercial. And then we come back and we're in LA and Peter is being very stoic. He's not letting himself feel anything. Um, you know, he's like, we're, you know what us doctors do? Something called closing the chart. And that's what I'm doing. And he's like, I have to go back to the hospital. Um and as he's leaving, Amanda comes over and and I think Peter leaves and Amanda's like, oh, what's up with that? Or what's going on with you guys? And he's like, his father just died. And Amanda's <laughs> like, oh, no, I never knew him. Um, and and then Eve's like asking about him and, and Amanda says, uh, I knew that he had a father, but I never knew where he was from or what his past is or certain that Peter like grew up in a trailer. It's like, you're only married to him. I mean, that was, they only insisted that they were each other's one true love for how long, yeah. you know? And she's like, I didn't know he had a dad. You only like, <laughs> gave up everything for him. How many times? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know he had a dad. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know he was from Texas. Yeah. No, we never got to talking about that. <laughs> Right. And then somehow this segues into them picking back up the Eve thread of the storyline. 
So Eve tells Amanda that, like, I feel like I should come clean about my past now that I've learned that Peter didn't grow out of a pod and had a father. Um, and Amanda's like, no, we're all gonna we're all gonna be better off if you just keep that secret to yourself because we really means her. But but yes. And okay, so now we're at Kyle's, and Ryan sees Megan there, and he apologizes for the hooker comment, which is nice. And she says, "Yeah, but you still hurt me." And I think she also says, "You know, she's unemployed." Yeah, she is. <laughs> I think she has like the class of the the job ads, out, and, like the paper out. Um, and then we see Michael with his divorce lawyer, who was the dad on Clarissa Explains It All. If anyone. I watched that show in the early that 90s show. that yeah. was melissa joan hart's show in uh on nickelodeon in the early like the first half of the 90s mm-hmm. um and then peter shows up and michael and peter talk about his dead father and and their weaknesses and whatnot and then we're back at melrose and jane is in the laundry room and michael is already down there and she sees that he's holding her underwear <laughs> which was sitting in the basket. So, okay, perv. Um, and and she she admits, she's like, look, I never slept with Alex, but I did kiss him. Nothing more happened, but I feel terrible about it. Um, and she's like, meanwhile, I can't say the same about Megan. And then Michael starts defending his actions with Megan and saying, you can't blame me and you started it and blah, blah, blah. So then Amanda and Kyle hear them arguing as they're walking in the courtyard. And this is fun. So then Amanda locks them in and they're stuck in the laundry room together overnight. I hope neither of them had anything on the stove. Um, I thought that was kind of fun. I did think that. I think that's fun I thought that was, I thought that that was kind of like, if, it almost felt season two-ish. Yeah, that really feels like an odd to the earlier part of the show. Um, unfortunately, they don't show us a lot of them all through the night, but we do catch up to them again in the morning. Um, Michael tries to be nice, though, in this scene when they first find out they're stuck there. Uh, and, you know, Jane creates, like, a shiv with, uh, or a shank with, was it a broom? Yes, it was yeah. a broom she handle. She snaps it in half, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Eve wakes up in the middle of the night um, and we get more harmonica music and Peter is sitting in the living room. Um, I mean, like, he might as well be Shane. Like, this, it's so <laughs> Western. <laughs> and, you know, and he goes, I don't want to be like, I don't want to end up like my father. Um, and you might say, like, well, you're already not because you're this rich doctor. However, the money has gone in and out. You seem to have it again now. Um, but he means, like, without a wife, which he's already had a few of, as we enumerated earlier. Uh, yeah, um, without a wife. Oh, well. <laughs> so he proposes to Eve, who gladly says yes. Okay, here's my thing. <laughs> we didn't need... This whole tangent of finding out Peter had a father and Peter had an abusive father and Peter's father is dead and Peter's father was uh, a trailer guy. Only to lead to the point where Peter, who has already very quickly gotten together with Eve and moved in with Eve and was probably fast-tracking getting married to her anyway, proposes to Eve. We could have had Peter think about like, wow, this Michael Jane nonsense is ridiculous and it made me think, I love you and let's just get married. Or 
Peter could be like, I had a patient who died and it really made me think or whatever. We don't need this whole thing. We don't need them detouring to Texas and coming back two minutes later just for us to have the rest of the episode, which is Peter and Eve are engaged because that's really where the focus of the episode goes. And they're engaged for about five minutes. Yeah, because the wedding is happening in seven minutes. Literally. Peter and Eve wake Amanda and Kyle, who are sleeping on a mattress in the living room. Because <laughs> remember, the bedroom has a hole in it. Yep. In the ceiling, yes. <laughs> um, and I guess it's like 7 a.m. or on the early side when they knock on the door. And they're like, we're going uh, a little bit north to a chateau near this place called Oakhurst, which is somewhere nearish to Yosemite. Um, which was apparently Eve's idea because it seems beautiful and idyllic to her. Um, and Amanda catches this and thinks that's maybe not a great idea, <laughs> but she's like momentarily yeah. <laughs> but she's momentarily distracted by the fact that now, twelve hours later, she realizes that Michael and Jane are still locked in the laundry room. <laughs> Luckily, somehow they haven't died and they have not killed each other. Michael, though, keeps insisting that he is the victim in all of this and the, Jane starts revisiting his marriages which is fun because now she, you know she's recounting the history as we know it and we finally is, get a mention of Sid and we get a mention of Sid she mentions the miscarriage and he starts cheating with Kimberly she mentions Sid she mentions that he hired uh, one of her prostitutes to sleep with the lawyer I don't know why it's a problem that Jane slept with her divorce attorney when she wasn't attached to anyone else so it's fine but Michael's already twisting it to benefit himself um Amanda does open the door and does try and play peacemaker as they keep fighting and all Jane says is I'll see you in court I have a question when we get to this next scene or I guess we're here I have a question about it okay so we have two cars we have I guess Kyle and Amanda are following Peter and Eve and they pull off the road to eat at a place called the Halfway House Cafe. Yes. I'm 99.5% sure we've seen this place before on the show. Probably wherever Jake lives. Because that area just seemed sort of like where Jake moved. That could be. My other guess was, is that where Richard was finally killed by the cop? Oh. It could be either of those, though, because there could be. like there could have been a scene with Jake and Allison, or Jake and um, his baby mama and then wife uh, towards the end of his last season, where they were also filmed there. Could, but be. It, I feel like I've seen it before. This is the useless information thing stocking stacking up in my brain. You know, I may not be able to tell you who the whole cabinet is, but I can tell you the Halfway House Cafe has made an appearance before. I'm going to look it up later. If any of you guys know more about the Halfway House Cafe and where we might have seen it before, whether it was Melrose or somewhere else, report back. Please report back. I know. We're assigning all this work to report listeners. I know. They're like, we're just trying to get through the last season. <laughs> Stop. Um... So the men go inside, and Amanda and Eve have a conversation where Amanda says, you're going to visit her, aren't you? And so we know, like, there's something going on in this place that Eve chose, not because she saw it in a catalog. She wouldn't have had time to find a catalog anyway. Um, Part of their connected past must have to do with this Oakhurst place. Um, And then we see them at the Chateau, and they make plans to all meet at 10 a.m. the next morning. Uh, but Amanda and Eve make eye contact 
leading us to believe they might have some other sort of plan or something else going on before they're to see each other at 10 a.m. the next morning. Um, and so then we're back at Kyle's in L.A. and our uh, artist du jour that's playing uh, named Swamp Boogie Queen um, is performing when Megan shows up. She orders a martini um, and the Swamp Boogie Queen drags Ryan onto the stage and, you know, she's basically cavorting with him. She's singing and gyrating with him, but he is into it. And this has to be the scene you were talking about, right? Yes, it is. Where he's acting yeah. like a real bro again. Yeah. 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 Um, and and while while he's up there on stage with her, uh, he locks eyes with Megan, and she gets up and takes a drink and walks downstairs. I will say this about Swamp Boogie Queen: I really liked them. It was kind of like the Red Elvises. Yeah, I liked. They were very '90s looking, but I really liked her. In fact, she was so '90s looking, the lead singer. Um, I thought she was trying to look like Ani DeFranco. Mm, good point. Good point. But I was like really impressed. I was kind of like. First the Red Elvises, and now we've got Swamp Boogie Queen, who I rather like. So I, I know was, it's I'm a shame that like... none of these were catapulted. Yeah, I know. Because they're good. Like the thing is, the musical guests may not be names right now, except for like John Sakata or whatever, but um, but they are good. Like the talent is talented, aside from Eve. Yeah. I mean, okay, so we've got like oh, so just a quick Google search brings up that they are they like got a bunch of stuff like Los Angeles Music Awards nom- nominees, like uh the lead singer was female vocalist of the year and Is her name Catherine something or Christine Abigail Lenz. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of someone else then. Best funk boogie band in LA, nineteen ninety-six. Um that they got that and she was runner up for best female vocalist. They got rock artist of the year. Um, in the eighth annual, I mean, like, you know, it's, I mean, these are bona fides. Like these are, they're a legit, they're a legit group of their time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, so their, their, uh, sound is Janis Joplin, the Black Crows and Rolling Rolling Stones together and more. I would call it that. Yeah. Anyway. That's a good, that's a really good mix. It was a good mix. So I like was really impressed with them. Yeah, and I think they also sang the song on the uh, opening credits. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Um, So, yeah, they're worth uh, digging into. I'm going to see if I can sample some more of Swamp Boogie Queen. Yeah, so anyway, you know, lousy episodes, great bands. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's basically where we are. (laughs) And and not like um, Charmed, which had kind of like known bands. Like these are like, these are like really LA-centric yeah. Music act. Yeah, that's that's right. You know, which I, which I'm I'm really enjoying because I'm discovering new music, which I love. It's cool to time travel that way. Yes, it is. Anyway, um, oh, so we're back at the chateau. Yes. So Amanda can't sleep, or rather, Amanda isn't sleeping because she has plans. Um, she changes into clo- some other clothes and uh then she and eve meet to sneak off but kyle is on to them he watches them and follows them um meanwhile He's terrible Becky, at following them by the way do you mean uh like rob estes is terrible at following them or like kyle as like a surreptitious follower is bad yeah kyle is terrible yeah. at following them he's so he's too close yeah, I mean he's he's pretty obvious, and he also leaves the top down, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. like you're trying to be all like covert and shit, and you're in a convertible with the top down. It also, it's the work. middle of the night. It is, and it looked cold. 
It did look cold. Didn't it? Yeah. Anyway. This is, um, by the way, right around, it would have aired right around Thanksgiving. So this is like a October, November chill that we're dealing with. Um, we're back at Kyle's. I, I think at this point I said, oh, we haven't seen much of Lexi, which means I summoned her because then Lexi shows up. <laughs> um and sits next to Megan, and then we get this dumbass scene of Lexi saying that without Megan, she is morally bankrupt, and she needs her, and she's like, will you give me another chance and stay my friend? And before Megan can respond, Lexi also says, and I think you can help me get Peter back. <laughs> and Megan's response isn't like, I'll give you one more chance, but you're crazy about the Peter thing, or yes to this and no to that she basically is just like okay that's fine (laughs) to all of it um she says this is why because ryan is not important enough to quit for and just completely ignores the whole like lexi re-wants peter back thing and then she uh barters for herself just like ryan did earlier in the episode i'm coming back but i'm gonna become vice president i mean these people are amazing at negotiating that I know, these I roles just exist. I wish, but I wish. When none of these companies have HR, I think you can really get away with a lot. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. I wish too. So now we're back in Oakhurst. Kyle is watching as Amanda and Eve park outside what looks like um, at first, like, looks like it could be an inn or a, even a bed and breakfast. Um, but I guess it's a senior living facility. Um, and even a man. Or, or nursing home. I thought it was more like a nursing home. But... It could be. I mean, it looks, it's, it looks, um, well, it doesn't look very secure, so I don't know. But it could be just like a cheap yeah, set for a nursing secure. home. Nothing secure on Melrose Place. <laughs> no. And this woman is living on the first floor. Yeah. Even Amanda, see, they like check in and then they go visit an older woman who looks like maybe she is related to Eve, maybe her mother. She hugs Eve, then she sees that as shown that amanda is there and she hugs amanda and kyle is watching through the window again like he's like five feet away they could probably smell him um and then some time passes and they leave and then kyle enters uh he sees a photo of um rena sofer and uh heather locklear in like cheer outfits in high school except they don't look like they're in high school they look like the 35 (laughs) Amanda looks like she's pushing 40 (laughs) yeah um and the the woman kind of comes to and then she she says you're one of them i and so then what she says is like a bluff she's covering she says i haven't seen her or talked to her but what kyle is actually able to get out or what we're able to watch her say to kyle is that this is eve's grandmother and apparently eve was in prison for 15 for years 15 years yes and then the woman calls for a nurse and the nurse comes and kyle has to leave Then the next day, the day of Peter and Eve's wedding, um, Kyle was asking Amanda where they went. And so she lies about Eve having cold feet and that they went for pizza, which, by the way, made me hungry for pizza. By the way, right now, I'm still hungry for pizza. (laughs) Um, And and then um, Peter and Eve, like, knock on Amanda and Kyle's door. And Amanda needs to steal Eve away and, like, deal with, like, wedding morning stuff with Eve, which means Peter has to then change in Kyle's room with Kyle there. But nonetheless, 
Peter kind of buries the hatchet. He's appreciative to Kyle and and he kind of apologizes and there's some sort of olive branch acknowledged between the two guys in this room. Um, and we're back in LA after that. Jane gets a call from her doctor uh, and says that she needs to come in really quick. And then Megan shows up at because we're at Amanda Woodward. We're not at the apartment. We're at the office. Megan comes in to apologize, but Jane is very clearly distracted. And it turns out she found a lump. And her worst doctor in the world called her and she's like, there's a 50-50 chance it might be cancer. Come in. That's basically what she has <laughs> told Jane. That's not really how they do it. No, um, so Megan is all sympathy and they hug. And I don't really think Jane is thinking about Michael and Megan anymore. Back to Kyle and Peter. They're talking about Eve, and Peter is so dumb, he didn't even realize that Eve had gotten up and left for hours the night before. Um, and then Peter is gone from Kyle's room. He's walking by the grounds, like he's right by a pool, and he gets there's a call for him, pre-cell phones. And who is calling him? It's Lexi calling him. He's like, Lexi, this really isn't a good time. And she says she still loves him. Which, I mean, on both sides, why? Yeah, I know. Um, she doesn't know about the wedding. Dr. Visconti has told Lexi that he went away to process his grief about his father. Um, and so Lexi has decided that she is going to find Peter and take advantage of this moment of weakness to get him back. And then we get one of my other favorite moments in the show, because do you remember that assistant Julie, who was like a spy for Amanda? She is apparently still there and still Lexi's assistant. And then we, they have like the best conversation where Lexi is like, how long is it to get from here to Yosemite? And Julie says, I think it's like a five hour drive, but if you fly, it's only one hour. So there we go. Julie is such a good assistant, she's even able to explain to Lexi that flying is faster than driving. Give her a raise and yeah. and make her vice president. Make her the make her CEO, because I mean like basic math, Lexi, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, although I wonder if it's even that comparable because wherever you land, then you still have to get a car and then drive over to Yosemite. I don't know if there's like I don't think you get the hanger right by of, yeah. <laughs> right by Oakhurst, certainly. Yeah. But yeah. Um so then Michael comes to see Jane. He's basically stormed into the lobby of Amanda the whatever building Amanda Woodward advertising is in. Um because his lawyer has been calling her lawyer and Jane has been preoccupied and not uh answering. So he thinks it's a ploy. And Jane and was is with Megan here and she gives up and she's like, Fine, Michael, you win, whatever. And Michael Megan has asked to talk to Michael and take him aside. And he says no, because he thinks this is yet a new ploy from Jane because it's all dollar signs with him. Megan finally succeeds in pulling Michael to the side and telling him to leave Jane alone. She's like, I'm sworn to secrecy. I can't tell you what the problem is, but just back off. So now that's the that's all for them. We're back at with the wedding party. Amanda is telling Eve that she looks beautiful and Eve is in her room and she thanks her. And then Amanda leaves and we see Amanda go down the stairs to the lobby. And then Kyle sneaks out of his room and goes into the room where uh, Eve is. And he tells her, 
look, I know about your grandmother. I know you went to high school. I know about you guys going to high school together. I know you went to prison. He goes, did you kill somebody? And then Amanda shows up again back in the doorway and she goes, no, we both did. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. I have a question. Sure. I don't, okay. I don't know. Okay. With all of Amanda's backstory that we have, right? Like from her other non-retcon backstories? Right. Well, yeah. even even with the retcon, like, didn't she grow up in Miami? Or was she always from California? I don't. She's originally from LA. When she first joins the show and she's getting to know Billy, they have a whole getting to know you information dump. And she's basically like born and bred in LA. And then I think when they do the change it to that she was married to Jack Parisi, then I think it was she came from Miami. So now they have her back in LA. And not only do they have her back in LA, they're giving Or like not her, really LA, yeah. Like they're giving her this almost idyllic sort of like middle class valley girl childhood where I always thought she was more like a spoiled Beverly Hills brat. Yeah, I think we I think we were supposed to think of her as like a more upper classy woman until this. Right, like this is kind of small town. A little this bit is, more, yeah. Like we're moving towards like small town. Yeah, if this is really the town she grew up in and this is where they went to high school, then her upbringing is a little bit different than what we were told two we were, times yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. she was, I anticipated her being a lot more cosmopolitan. And lot, and then the other thing that I sort of like really like bugged me is how we had the whole Eve introduction in the first place. Like all of a sudden... Eve was just there singing it at a club and there was absolutely no like yeah as we've discussed they completely mishandled yeah. all yeah because they yeah. were withholding so much from us that they forgot that they had to give basic plot like yeah an introduction like who your relationships are who you know yeah they yeah. never they never really gave that to us yeah and then and they withheld for so long and now that we know, now that we're we're finally getting the information, I'm like, there is no reason why they couldn't have shown this, especially like, I'm assuming she just got out of prison 15 years, right? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be Like, there on, was yeah. no sort of, like, introduction to, as a character. She was just some rando chick singing in the bar. And right. then all of a sudden, we, you know, oh, she's friends with Amanda. Oh, but there was no... The approach was so, well, I, I mean, you can't even say clumsy because it was just non-existent. Yeah, it's both. No, you can still say clumsy. Yeah, no, it was really terrible. Also, okay, so this, well, it's not, it's a question that they can answer. They just haven't yet. But I, what I take from this, and I don't remember anything from the first time around here. Sounds like whatever happened, both of them killed some guy, but only Eve went to jail for 15 years and Eve has actually been very nice and deferential to Amanda in the like eight to 10 episodes she has been on the show, which would not maybe be my response, but maybe they'll fill us in more on what happened there. I sure hope that they do. I, I mean, I, I seem to remember that they do finally start giving us more information. Um, I just don't remember it being very satisfactory. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I, I I'm not expecting much. No, We're, I mean, did anything with the this not semi twist, just like finally filling in some of the background. 
surprise you or probably not? I mean, you know, it's all it's got kind of broad strokes right now, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can say is it just was finally like, well, I guess this is what was hiding in Matt's notebook, right? Which we've all forgotten about. Yeah, um, as we've forgotten about Matt. Yeah, yeah. Since we've forgotten about Matt and everybody, and now the notebook seems to be a, a non-issue. Um, I, I'm guessing that's what Amanda's been hiding all along. So whatever it was, she confessed to Matt. And I mean, who? Again, another. You know, this whole thing with Matt is another retcon because I don't remember Matt being. Like, like, you know, you never, we never saw anybody spill their secrets, you know, their deep, dark, dark secrets to Matt. Like, all of a sudden, they're doing, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, of course. I mean, that's all, it's all a betrayal of what we knew. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, I, and, and again, unnecessary. Did we really need Matt's notebook to have the storyline between Eve and Amanda? No. No. No, just Eve coming to town, having this history, is enough to light the fuse. Exactly. So we, you know, really didn't need to kill off Matt. No, we we really didn't. We knew we knew all along. We never did. Yeah, which I'm I'm pretty angry about because we did I know. not want I'm Matt still to bitter. die. I wanted yeah. him to live. Yeah, yeah, I liked Matt better alive. Yes, yes. Even though he was off the show, I just it was it was. Just it's okay because like- we know he's in the world. I know, but it was almost like a fuck you, Dove Savant. Doug Savant. That's how it felt right? to me. That's how it felt to me. Totally. How dare you leave Melrose Place? We're going to kill you off. <laughs> they killed off both him and his wife. Yeah, his wife. they did. Like, they were so angry that they both left. They were both, they were like, you both are dying. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. And that's, that's petty. Yeah. That's some petty shit. Yeah, I mean, if you could have spun it into something great, maybe, okay, fine, but this is far from that. Yes. So curious to hear your guys' take on the Eve saga, on finding out that Peter had a father. Um, And if any of you can do that legal research that Karen needs, uh, we'd be ever so appreciative. Yes, please. Um, Definitely need that. Good. Well, this episode was really quite a ride. It was. So now we're going to ride on over to Hollywood Boulevard. That's right. Please follow us along. Uh, Looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you again back here in a week on the block. Bye. (laughs) 